Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 27th. Today we are reading from the big book. We're on page 69 and we are at the first full paragraph on the page. Today's readers are Eddie, Deb W., Marsha, and Paula. The reference number for Monday, November 26th, is 3403. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Hoodie to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Hoodie, compulsive overeater, and thank you. Um, one, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Hoodie. I will ask Rita, please, to read the 12 traditions. Rita, can you press star 1 to unmute, please? This is Rita, and I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, everybody. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first, 
Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trust and servants. They do not govern. Three, the only desire for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except um, in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Three, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to, <clears throat> excuse me, to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name, ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, overeaters are not, I mean, what am I saying? I'm making it up. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 69, the first full paragraph of the page starting with we reviewed. I will ask Eddie to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. Yeah, um, This is um, probably um, an area for me um, that I'm still working on um, and uh, was difficult for me um, to put down on paper and acknowledge uh, what my part had been in this. Um, 
thank God I didn't have a lot of people on that list. Uh, that it was a short list, but it was a very, a very unpleasant list to look at later on uh, for myself. Um, I sort of think that I looked at something of our relationship um, in our in my marriage anyway as sort of a like a tool, something that I could wield uh, when things didn't go the way I thought they should. And um, it was always uh, due to the fact that my husband had not performed whatever it was, task I had given him or wish I had expressed or whatever, um, as I wanted it done. And so that was my way of, I guess, retaliating. Um, Not a pleasant picture uh, to look at, um, and certainly one that required a great deal of work on my part once I started my fourth and fifth step. Um, And... um, something that uh, still, like I said, um, tends to show up every now and then when I forget uh, who I am today, who I'm supposed to be today, and and how I'm supposed to live my life. So I need to uh, keep that with me in the forefront of my mind that um, this is not something that's acceptable behavior for a recovered person. Uh, But it was was, uh, difficult to do, and um, it took quite a while for me to get through it. Uh, but I think on on the other side, I came out a better person for it, and certainly it improved the way um, I related to not only my husband but to other people in my life whose relationships were maybe not sexual but certainly of an intimate nature. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, this sounds very similar. This sounds very similar to the resentment list. So we're not treating sex as anything else but something that is blocking us from God. How is our sexual conduct, how is our sexuality blocking us from feeling our higher power? So we're asking the same four questions. You know, where have I been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? You know, when, whom did I hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? So where had I been selfish? Well, you know, was I using sex as a tool? Was I using it as a reward when someone did what I wanted? Or I was withholding it when, to punish someone because they weren't doing what I wanted? You know, was I dishonest? You know, I recently heard this great um, way of dishonesty I never thought about before. You know, dishonesty is not just, tell, not, telling, not just lying. Dishonesty is not telling the truth when the truth needed to be told. So was I feeling so awkward and uncomfortable around sex that I wasn't being honest about it? Was I letting someone um, handle something in a certain way because I was afraid to say this is not a comfortable situation for me? Or was I inconsiderate? You know, once again, it's not just about the act of intercourse, you know, but was I arousing jealousy? Was I angry at a friend and then flirting with her boyfriend because I wanted to get back at her? You know, was I inconsiderate because I didn't feel like I had enough money out so I was going to flirt with the bartender to give me extra drinks? You know, did I understand that somebody at work was attracted to me and flirting with them so I could get them to do my work and not have to take responsibility for my job? You know, whom did I hurt? Not just the person I was in a relationship with. Was I hurting my, my friend who I, hurt, who I flirted with her boyfriend? Was I getting involved with men that were involved with other women and hurting those women? 
You know, there's a lot to look at here, but it's not any different than the resentment. It's not any different than the fears. So we approach this the same way that we approach the other two inventories. We simply put them down on paper, we look at them, and we move on with the inventory. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. This is Anne-Marie. Janice and then Anne-Marie. Go ahead, Janice. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. So we reviewed our own conduct over the years past, our own conduct, my behaviors, you know, my behaviors around these kinds of relationships, relationships where perhaps there were physical attractions, and how did I, how did I handle that? You know, whether or not I had a spouse or a partner or were going in and out of relationships, you know, I know that for myself, these very questions about my selfishness, my inconsiderate nature, my dishonesty around those kinds of intimate relationships needed healing. And in order to have any kind of healing and be closer to my higher power, I needed to take a close look. Now, the big book's very clear about we're not judging here, but we're doing what needs to be done with yet another part of our lives that blocked us from our higher power. Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Remember, we talked about justifiable anger. Needed to be left to those better qualified to handle it. You know, and, and there was no difference here for me. You know, I could justify, minimize, rationalize my behavior around this area. And sometimes I think it was even more difficult being a compulsive overeater because I had a whole lot of body image. I had a whole lot of shame, body shame, physical shame, mental shame around myself that made it even more complex to look at this. But, you know, it's just the same process. It's just the same process. We got it down on paper and we looked at it. But there's an important question here. It says, what should we have done instead? Where were we at fault and what should we have done instead? You know, that was a very important question for me as I took this portion of the inventory. Because like I said yesterday, there were some things I thought I would take to my grave. There were secrets there were things I never thought I would share with another person because every time I brought that stuff to the surface, I cringed. I couldn't imagine putting it down on paper. What if someone would see it? Nor telling someone else. But this was going to be part of my healing process, being as honest as I could be. And I had no idea how much it was blocking me from the land, from the world and the spirit from that very place I wanted to walk close to my higher power. You know, but I, I could do that with help. I could do that with help. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Janice. Anne-Marie, go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Anne-Marie, um, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Thank you so much. Um, I had done this fourth step years ago when um, I think I mentioned um, I'm an alcoholic and so I, I did a real thorough Step. So when it came around this time to do it, I thought 
you know, I'm married now, I'm in a, a monogamous relationship, there really isn't anything that I've done sexually bad in, you know, uh, you know, I haven't been prostituting myself on the streets, I haven't been in any kind of an affair, so this, I really don't need to do all that much, but these questions in here um, really helped me to see that, yeah, I, I have to, certainly had to do um, the sex part of my inventory, you know, and, you know, was I um, doing a tit-for-tat kind of thing, you know, um, with, with just with my husband, you know, if he did this, I'd offer him, I'd offer him some sex, you know, uh, if he didn't, then I would withhold, so, um, and, you know, that, um, that's not very honest, um, it's not very considerate, uh, and so, you know, I've, I learned a lot um, from from this part of the inventory, and communication um, helps so much. Never did I think sex and communication go, would go hand in hand, but um, I found that it certainly did. So I just wanted to mention that I wasn't sure if anybody else was thinking that you know they're in a uh, they've been married for you know 50 years and never had an affair. Um, what's the reason for doing a sex inventory? Well, these questions right here will give you a good answer of, of the importance of it. Thank you. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Well, I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I consider myself a, a private person, you know, and still <laughs> in the, you know, sneaky and secretive kind of goes along with that as well. It just sounds better to say that I'm a private person, a um, little bit more palatable. And, um, you know, I would rather have told my sponsor when I did my, you know, my inventory, um, you know, I'd rather have told my sponsor about my sex conduct and my food. You know, when I first called my sponsor on September 9th of 2001, which is my date of abstinence, and I've been continuously abstinent and since then, you know, I had no idea that I was eventually going to share, you know, my deepest, darkest secrets. You know, those secrets, as Janice said, that I would take to my grave. You know, I I just had no idea that I would be doing that. And, um, you know, as it says, the truth will set you free. And, you know, I'm someone, I grew up in a very conservative, um, very conservative household, very conservative community. I came out in the early 80s and moved to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, there were things, you know, I used my... Um, you know, my my body in ways that, uh, you know, were not, you know, I was not proud of. I'll just say it like that, you know, without going into details. But I, I will say that what I was really doing was using my mind. You know, it was my mind that was twisted. It was my thinking that was, that was messed up. You know, it was, you know, as Kim was saying earlier, you know, when I actually put all this down on paper, you know, who did I hurt? Who did I hurt by my behavior? You know, I wasn't on the list, but people I had hurt, people I had, you know, um, you know, told that I loved or I liked and got into a relationship with and then didn't know what to do. You know, I have this very distinct pattern when it came to relationships. You know, I would lose weight, I'd be out on the prowl, I would land someone, I would get into a relationship, and then I knew um, the only way to be in a relationship was to eat, and that's what I did. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Once I was in that relationship, committed relationship, I didn't know what to do. I was a mess. And... Um, 
typically, I mean, you know, I use my body as a, you know, not as a weapon, but as something to withhold. You know, I didn't feel good about myself. You know, whatever it was that was going on in my mind that was messed up about my thinking, you know, I was absolutely selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. And, um, you know, the big book has taught me that it's my thinking. It is my thinking that is my biggest problem. The greater aspect of my disease is my thinking. And what the big book allows me to do right here in this, on these pages is write that down on paper. You know, I have a form. Who did I hurt? Where was I selfish? Where was I at fault? Selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate. Did I arouse jealousy, suspicion, bitterness? What should I have done instead? And then, you know, going through that and being able to give that away to somebody else and having that set me free and being completely different in my life and in my relationships, you know, those intimate relationships, which, you know, it's hard enough to be out, in the, out on the road, you know, with other people in traffic, let alone, you know, in a home that I'm sharing with someone. I mean, you know, if I have a hard time with other people out in traffic, if people in line at the grocery store, you can imagine what I'm like in my house. You can imagine what I'm like. And so, you know, the, the big book and recovery has taught me that I can completely change and become a different person. I can completely change and become a different person. And I am, you know, I am so, so grateful for that transformation that's possible in all areas of my life, in all areas of my life. And with that, I will pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Good morning. This is Paula Mashia. Uh, yeah, let's have Leah and then Paula go ahead. So Leah, I'm sorry, go ahead and then Paula. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Again, this first this uh, first action step step four, you know, was for the first time to put down in black and white with the assistance of someone who had gone through these very same steps and examine the way I've been thinking and the way I've been behaving, because all action is born in thought. So we reviewed our own conduct over the years past, and it didn't look so pretty. You know, it was, um, you know, like landmines over <laughs> over the years in terms of my relationships. Um, it was It was like I had food stains all over my relationships because, you know, my thinking was twisted, it was distorted, and therefore that showed up in every relationship, you know, in every relationship. It says, where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Um, you know, it, it came down that my sex instinct was not the cause of these problems, of these sexual problems, so to speak. The causes were my selfishness. The cause was my dishonesty. The cause was this fear that would rear its head and I would flee. This cause was my inconsiderate behaviors. And when these character defects directed my actions, because I was in such desperate pursuit of self-esteem and maintaining any sense of pride that I had and these personal relationships represented security for me, and they represented emotional uh, stability to me, and they represented fulfillment for me. And it ended up causing pain for myself and pain and difficulty for other people. So um, that the sex aspect was what I used to pursue these 
goals of mine, but it wasn't the source of my problem. The sex wasn't the problem. I was the problem. What was going on between my ears was the problem. So I realized that my selfishness and my dishonesty and my fear and my inconsiderate habits were controlling me far more than my instinct for sex. Yes, that was pleasurable. Indeed, it was (laughs) in many respects, but it really was, you know, my my lack of uh, stability between my ears. I was trying to use sex to build up my sense of security and self-esteem. And the bottom line is I didn't have any principles to live by. I had no tools for living when I came here. I didn't have any principles to live by. So ultimately, at the very end, when I was beaten to a pulp, I didn't have any reason to live. You know, so it says here, whom did... Whom had we hurt? And there was a there was a list of people. And you know what? There's no statue of of limitations on a broken heart. There were there were plenty of amends ahead. But I had to focus on this right now. Step four: Where were we at fault, and what should we have done instead? The whole purpose of this step four was to get down to the root of my problem, and the problem was me. And these efforts was that so. I could eventually, with the help of another person, my sponsor, and with the help of this text, shape a sane and sound ideal for my future sex life. So I could learn from these past mistakes. Where were we at fault and what should we have done instead? What could I learn from my past mistakes? What could I do now to have better relationships uh, with people, with my spouse? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Paula, go ahead. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm going to start with that first line. Isn't that a great place to start? We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Don't you love that? This is the past. This is the past. But we're in today now. And we've come to this place, this fourth step. First we surrendered. Then we came to believe. And then what does it say here on page uh, 63? Just before taking that step three, as we felt a new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. So when we come to this step, this is step four. Now the action begins, but look at how we've been prepared. And then it said, reviewed. Now, reviewed means to view again. That's all. Not to live again. Just to look at again. And why do we have to look at it? To see it. But we're not seeing it alone. What did it just say? What did we read? We're coming at this at a different place and in a different way. We're not looking at anybody else's. It says our own very clearly doesn't say anything about anybody else's. And then it goes on with the list. And yes, so similar, aren't they? Anger, fear, resentment. All comes to the same place, doesn't it? And where is that place? Closer to God or drawn away from that source of power? And then at the end, Lottie, I love this ending. We got this all down on paper and we looked at it again. Not by yourselves anymore. I wasn't by myself now. Now I could look at it again. And I could see it for what it was. I could see it for what it was. The twists and the turns. The sickness. 
in full force. But I'm not at that place anymore. So with that, I will end, my friend, and I will say thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else? Judy? Judy, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. This is Judy F. from Massachusetts. I just want to focus on what should we have done instead. And I learned again and again with each part of this four-step that I was always in self-reliance, trying to get what I wanted. And I, I, in the sex area, I didn't even think of the other person as a person. It, they were just there to give me what I wanted. And it was very subtle. And I also, I put myself in those situations. And this helped me to see that um, what I should have got, gotten instead is not be there, not be in that situation. But most of all, to trust, rely, and depend on God and go to God first. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. And I thought I heard someone else. Would someone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes, my name is Tony. I'm a compulsive reader. Tony? Yes. Thank you. Go ahead, Tony. Um, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that this this is a part that um, is extremely important for me to not get um, connected with anybody else because it, it's telling me that I'm going to have people that are going to have different opinions. And the last thing I need is to be thinking about my inventory through other people's opinions because now I'm losing perspective of the reality of my story in this arena. And um, when it talks about that some of us needed a complete overhaul, check. Hello, big time. Tony, of course, no doubt. Um, this This area here, has been very tragic in my life in a lot of ways. And um, i tell you something. From my own personal experience, if, if this is not done uh, correctly and honestly, it, it can lead me back to going back to eating all over again. This is where I have to, this is where I have to really be honest, you know. And uh, I look at some of the stuff, and, you know, I'm just going to give you some simple examples. Make, make, even making sex jokes, blonde jokes, um, and the presence of people that are not interested in that kind of stuff can be hurtful, you know, in that sense. Um, making derogatory sexual comments, even looking at women and invading their sexual space or even invading their space and looking at them sexually, disrespecting them as human beings um, is another example. Going to these places where women uh, show their bodies and stuff like that Presenting myself as like this is okay when inside myself I know that this is not appropriate. This is not something that um, my Heavenly Father would want me to be involved in because it takes away from things of the sunlight of the spirit. Um, and even sexual behaviors, you know, being in a relationship and looking at another woman in her presence so I can arouse suspicion because she, she, she's not losing weight because I want her to. You know, being very indirect, very very destructive. I mean, you know, sex is a... Yeah, it is a God-given instinct, but man, we, well, I should say I as a human being have used it to exploit it in a lot of ways. And then I'll close with this one. What's interesting about this whole thing about sex is, you know, I used to think it was just only had anything to do with sex contact. It had nothing to do with that at all. It, it's just like it was sitting with the way that I face you. And even in fantasy, the mind likes to go into fantasy, even there. Is sickness. 
And I have to clean that out on paper, too, because if not, that's another part of where I like to shut down in my world. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Sharon. All right, Sharon, go ahead. Hi, Christy. Good morning. This is Sharon. I'm an out-of-option compulsive overeater and a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, when I come to came to this um, uh, sex conduct, it was this is probably the area of my um, review that was the most difficult and that gave me the most pause and and caused the most fear to come up, and not so much fear of what I had done, but fear of step five. You know, here I am at step four. And I'm already thinking about, oh, my gosh, i got to say this to somebody in step five. And um, that just really, really was um, gave me a lot of pause, and it, and it was difficult for me. But what I finally was able to uh, realize and what really helped me in doing my sex conduct uh, review was to go back to step three and realize that, I have a new master. This is no longer me running the show. I have surrendered. I want to recover, and this is the way to recover. I have to go through this in order to get to that uh, beautiful land of recovery. And so instead of me getting obsessed about it, which is my old way of thinking and acting about life, is to it's all about me, and um, I remember hearing an a old-timer uh, guy talking about listening to somebody in a uh, um, uh, four-step, doing a fifth-step, and just thinking, he was, he was saying, he was thinking, listening to their four-step and how shamed they were and how they were so afraid and nervous, and all he could think about is, let's just get this over with. This is just so boring, you know. And um, realizing that what is just such a big deal to me for somebody else listening to it they've heard it all before for the most part or done even worse than that and so we in our little world in our mind our sex conduct is is sometimes shameful and frightening and and overwhelming and the worst that's ever anyone has ever done and the reality is it's we're all human we all have feelings. We all uh, are compulsive overeaters. We've all gotten entangled in uh, confusion about our sexuality in some way or other because this is just life. So uh, what, I, what I finally realized is I just am not going to make a big deal. I'm going to trust God in this. I'm going to be totally honest, brutally honest with myself first. The second thing is when you do, first of all, this is just me and the paper at this point. This isn't step five. This isn't tell the whole world. This isn't, this is an inventory. This is an inventory of my stock and trade. This is me doing the inventory of myself. So I'm not telling everyone. And so if I can't be brutally honest with myself, I'll never, ever get to freedom. So just me my God and the paper. That's all I'm dealing with right now. 
And so I have to be honest, totally, completely honest, get it down on paper. When I get ready to do step five, I'm not doing a whole point-by-point detail. I'm just looking for um, causes and conditions. So that's this is what I have found to be helpful, is to take God with me in this review, to be honest with myself, and then be open and willing to then take the next step. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Deb W., will you please read that for us? Good morning, Christy. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. In this way, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal for a future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Wow. This is a great paragraph. I love how the paragraph before it was so covered so thoroughly. And um, so with all of that said, we see this next paragraph, and and it's so great because it gives us clear-cut direction again. It says, in this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for a future sex life. Um, I was so scared (laughs) with this whole... um, topic of sex. I had such a poor body image and I, you know, realized going through this process and writing down all of my issues and my fears and my resentments and just everything, you know, that I found that basically it was an a pride uh, it was a an issue of pride and ego. Once again, I had this self-loathing and you know, I definitely despised um sex and I want to bring out that definition. It says hated this detasted, scorned, regarded with contempt or unworthy of one's interest or concern. You know, I felt because I had such a bad body image, you know, it wasn't worthy. I wasn't, it wasn't worth my um, even consideration, you know, just because I felt so bad about myself, I didn't feel like I could give myself to my spouse or, you know, that kind of thing. But here it's so awesome because God is, he's in the business of restoring us to sanity. So here we are. We have, um, we subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our our ideals and help us to live up to them. I didn't know where to begin. I was like, oh, my word, this is such a heavy topic for me. I, you know, I'm looking at this on paper, but where do I go? And I love how Sharon just brought up, I'm bringing God with me. I'm asking him, what, what kind of ideals should I have? What is the perspective that I need to have. What is a healthy perspective? Not my skewed, crazy, insane perspective that I've had all this time, you know. And so it's so awesome how it just tells us we remembered always that our sex powers were God-given. Ah, oh my word, they were, they are, and therefore good. What? <laughs> They're good. Awesome. I didn't, you know, I didn't consider them good before because hello, it was always focusing on me. Oh, there comes that pride and ego again, you know. Oh, I feel so bad about myself because I'm, you know, 100 plus pounds overweight. And no, they're actually good. And and God restores us to the sanity as we are going through these steps. So I love how it says, we don't, um, they're neither to be used lightly or selfishly nor to be despised and loathed. Today I don't, I don't despise sex. It's a beautiful thing that God's given us. 
to share with um, our partner spouse, and um, I'm so happy to have a different perspective today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb W. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? It's Monica. Uh, Monica, go ahead, and then Kim. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And sex ideal here, we're talking about in this little paragraph here. So we've, we've answered our questions uh, above on each person uh, that's on our list. And now it says, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. Now, this ideal is more about how I'm going to be or act in future relationships than, than about the actual relationships I'm in. So this is not only for um, sexual in, uh, relationships. This could be for all my future relationships with anybody I meet from this point on. What... Um, what do I want this to look like? And I was asked to also write this a few paragraphs of what my ideal would be. And also what's important, and, and other people have said here, is that all of this work is done with God, trusting and relying on God. And I just wanted to share a little prayer that I was given um, here at this point, to do to say when I was working on this ideal, when I was working on putting this together, and it's you know God Spirit, I ask that you help me to see the truth about myself and my conduct in relationships. Please help me to rise to my ideal in relationships. Help me with your guidance in each questionable situation. Give me the strength and sanity to do the right thing. Help me to remember that my sex powers are sacred, are good, and therefore not to be used lightly or selfishly. Please help me to see and live up to my ideal. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Kim, go ahead. Thanks, Christy. So we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. So in the paragraph before, we're starting to acknowledge you know, how we use sex, you know, how we felt about sex. So, you know, I started to admit, you know, that, that, that sexuality and my section you know, my attractiveness, you know, that's what it was about. I wanted to prove that I was attractive. So I often picked guys not because I liked them, but because the other women would be jealous that I was with that guy, you know. I'd use it as a way to please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I'll have sex with you because I don't want to be alone. You know, the desperation of please like me, please like me. You know, jealousy. You know, I would act jealous because then the guy would tell me he liked me. So what do I want differently? Asking God how to mold my new idea. You know, that, that I wanted that I wanted these attractions, these, these relationships in a sexual nature to be an expression of feeling. Not to manipulate someone else, but to show how I feel. You know, to have a connecting feeling between us. You know, to be open and honest. You know, I was so ashamed about sexuality. I was so confused by the mixed messages. I expected guys to read my mind. You know, be honest with what I'm comfortable with, what I'm not comfortable with. You know, that to say, it's okay to enjoy sex. I can loosen up a little bit. It's all right to have a good time. You know, so I'm asking God to mold these ideals, recognize what these ideals are, what would I want that to look like. And then I ask him to help me to live up to them to not fall back to those old patterns. 
to want a relationship which celebrates, you know, God, to celebrate sex, to celebrate the, the unique connection that a man and a woman or, or, or two loving partners would have together. You know, so that we asked God into this, and that was such a bizarre concept for me because that was something I always hid from God because that was supposed to be shameful. You know, it says despised and loathed. So we asked God into this. We mold this new ideal, which might be a totally new concept for us, and then we ask him to help us live up to those ideals in the future. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? It's Esther. This is Patricia. All right. Thank you, Esther. Go ahead, and then Patricia. Good morning. My name is Esther, a compulsive overeater in Canada. So in, in shaping this new um, sex ideal, a sane and sound ideal for, you know, all of my future intimate relationships, one thing I knew for sure was that it could not have a, a basis of um, selfishness, dishonesty, or, or inconsiderate behavior. So that changes things for me. Suddenly, um, I approach a relationship from a, a, a God-centered um, a God-centered approach, meaning I'm no longer looking to get something from somebody, perhaps to give this time. And this was important to me because I, you know, if I'm looking at someone and thinking, oh, he's rich, and now I don't have to work anymore, that's a relationship I want to pursue. That's a selfish way to pursue a relationship. There's not going to be no future, no happy future for sure in a relationship like that. Or if I'm look, looking at someone, you know, who's got status now to provide me with status and, and, and wanting, you know, uh, cozying up to a relationship like that for that reason. Again, that's a selfish basis for me to approach a relationship. So having to um, sit back and, and think a little bit before, you know, acting on any, you know, God-given impulses, you know, gives me a chance to make sure that when I'm, you know, acting or, or talking to someone or approaching, you know, or testing the waters of a new relationship, that my motives are, are not selfish because I know what's going to happen if my motives are, I'm going to get myself back into all the, you know, um, stuff that I had had before, right? Just hurting people, you know, hurting those close to me, hurting those all around me. And this is a, this is a new um, way of thinking for me. I, in the past, I never approached relationships thinking, is this selfish or not? It was just like, is this going to feel good? Is this what I want? Is this going to give me something that I've always, you know, that I've never had before? So um, not only I need to, uh, ask God's help to mold my ideals, but also to help me live up to them. Because I could be in a situation where suddenly I forget, or suddenly something feels good, and I, you know, and it's uh, really also, you know, coming from a selfish, uh, you, you know, start point. So this, this um, shaping the same and same ideal is not only for people in current relationships to say, look, I'm no longer in a basis of selfish and self-centered behavior. How could I, you know, treat my spouse or partner differently? This is also great for any future relationships, um, you know, before they even get started to make sure that they've got a solid and uh, God-centered basis. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Patricia, go ahead. Patricia, can you press star one to unmute? Why don't we go ahead, if there's anyone else who would like to share, and then we'll catch up with you, Patricia. Is there anyone else? This is Janice. Janice, Hello. go ahead. Is it? Thank you. Janice, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Christy. 
In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. You know, I'm reminded that our sanity will return. Our sanity will return as a result of working this process. And here we're given that promise once again, that this will be a sane way to look at our future sex life as well as the inventory we've been doing about our past. You know, so it is the it is the conscious contact with our higher power. It is the unveiling and the discovering and uncovering of all of these things that brings us to a place where sanity will return. You know, at least that's how it's happened with me. You know, I, I was in that insane thinking, that twisted, warped, insane thinking. But it is my thinking that's being healed in this process of uncovering and discovering and discarding that which did not work. It did not work. And it becomes obvious to me, more obvious than it had ever been when I put it all down on paper. When I looked at it and asked my loving higher power to help me reveal, reveal to me, guide me, educate me, show me ways of love. Show me how to uncover all of this stuff that I had kept buried so that I can go forward here into the future with a new way of thinking, a new way of acting on life rather than always reacting to it. You know, that's what's going to be revealed to me. You know, and we ask God to help us live up to these ideals. Will I ever do it perfectly? (laughs) No. No, I will never do it perfectly. That is not the outcome that I can hope for. But I can hope for an ideal to live up to, to try to achieve, to try to work towards with the help of a higher power, with God's help. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Patricia, would you like to share? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. Um, yes, I really enjoy this because it, it helped me to see what I was really made out of. I d- had no clue the way my mind thought about sex. So therefore, when I, ha- when I did my inventory and saw my selfishness, dishonesty, all of it, when I saw what I was really made out of and realized that, wow, I need I need to change. And now, and then where we bring God into it, which for me, it makes it pure and it makes it it good. I mean, because I'm sorry, and and I'm not trying to get personal, but I actually have to pray, you know, pray, I mean, in bed. (laughs) I hate to use that word, but but it makes it pure now. Whereas I didn't, like some other that shared, I had no... No moral anything. I wasn't brought up with any type of, you know, wait till you're married and all that. I, I was never brought up with that, so I didn't have a clue what I was really doing. And when I saw what I what I was doing and what I was really made out of and what my uh, was, it was I was de- I devastated myself just knowing what I really was made out of. I mean, and that's what I love about this program is seeing my great need for change and my need for God. You know, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Let's move on. I'm sorry, who was that? 
It's Judith. Judith, go ahead. Thank you. This is Judith, compulsive overeater. Um, I've been through many phases of my life in terms of my views of sexuality. And one that I found surprising was when someone confronted me and said, you know, there is such a thing as being anorexic sexually. I was like, oh my God, I thought I was being so good. So um, I just wanted to put that out there and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Judith. Marcia, would you please read that next paragraph? Sorry. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow, grow towards it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in doing so. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. I'm sorry, I'm Marcia, compulsive overreader, recovered today. Thank you, God. And I'll pass. Thanks, Marcia. Would anyone like would anyone like to share on what was read? This is Sarah. This is Janice. Uh, Sarah, go ahead, and then Janice. Um, you know, it's just amazing how the Big Book keeps directing. I'm sorry, Sarah, um, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New York. Thank you. Good morning. I just am amazed at the way this big book just keeps reminding us, like we just need to be knocked over the head a thousand times. We just have to keep asking God. It just keeps saying it again and again. We ask God what we should do about each specific matter in meditation. This is just telling us these are things. It's assumed in meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. So that's an assumption that we are doing a meditation, that we're, that we're um, checking in with God, that our behaviors, as we go through this, we're constantly just checking in with God, you know, and that we want to be walking and, and going in towards his light, towards being the person that he meant us to be. And we can't know that. We, you know, in our own thinking, we never got there. We keep checking in, like he is our director, he is our he is our employer, he is our boss. We just check in, you know, am I on the right path? Am I, you know, to get clarity, clarity is so important to get clarity around, am I headed in the right direction? Is this, you know, um, you know, the willingness to grow towards the ideals that that we've established, that we've, you know, uncovered and discovered, and and the and and we just check in we check in with God because he's the one where we're going to where we're walking towards we're walking towards his will and we're walking away from our our self-centered and dishonest and inconsiderate behaviors we're walking to the light that he would have us be the right answer will come if we want it sometimes we do things and we do the actions, but the willingness, and we're willing to do the actions, but the real desire, the desire to achieve that which our behaviors may seem and look like, yeah, we're doing all the right moves. We do the moves, 
But this is just telling us the right answers will come if we want it. It means that our heart needs to be there. Our heart is not, you know, just a head intellectual exercise of, yeah, I'm going to work towards my ideal. It's it's a heart-centered, genuine, if you want it, then then God will disclose to you that which you need to do. And it's a constant thing, and it's a willingness, and... um. And it's beautiful. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Um, I'll be brief here. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it, to grow towards it. You know, we, I could never run away from the food. I tried. I was always either running away from the food or running towards the food. But now... I can grow away from the food. And that's the process of these 12 steps and the process right here, looking at this part of my inventory. You know, whatever that ideal of behavior and thinking that I so want, I can grow towards that ideal. You know, I may not do it perfectly, but I must be willing to make amends for things that I have done, to try to make right that which I can and be very careful not to cause more harm when I do it. And that will come through talking about it with others. You know, that will come, making those right choices. But I have to be willing to grow away from the food by these new behaviors, by this new sanity that has returned, by the willingness to look at a new way of thinking and acting, new ideals to live up towards. And when I do that, I grow ever closer to God away from the food, and closer to God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, will you please read a vision for you? This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.